0: Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations half. We will be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne.
1: I'm Kevin. Julie. I'm Danny. For any of you listeners out there who didn't listen, weren't here, or haven't listened to it because it's too long, here's a quick summary of the sermon. It's about the wilderness in our lives being a place where we, we feel isolated and, and disconnected and how sometimes when we're in those places, that's when we're most prone to, to yeah, to feel, um, feel tempted, to feel deprived. In reality, God is with us there and community can be with us there. Um, so, yeah, I've, I really liked it. It really spoke to me
0: let's start talking uh, about what wildernesses have we experienced in our own lives.
1: Getting personal right off the bat. (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to start. And there was a line from the sermon about the wilderness where, uh, that in the wilderness, like this, we're prone to this temptation that tells you that you are alone. Don't believe it. Um, and I've, and I've had times in my life, like, especially living in New York, like eh, everyone could be this busy wherever they are, where I'm so, I get such tunnel vision in like the things that I'm worried and stressed out about, um, that I can then become isolated because I'm not paying attention to my relationships or giving them time. And then I feel like disconnected from them and I feel alone and I like forget about all the people that care about me, uh, it's like I stop seeing them, and yeah, like there is this, this like, voice in my head kind of telling me that I'm I'm alone or I'm not connected to people or people don't care. When, when that's not true, I've just become like disconnected from that reality. And and for me, like that's that's my wilderness, um, and I experience it. I've experienced it a bunch of times to like varying degrees. You know, that sense of isolation, even in a city of like 10 million people whatever it is. So that, that's my, my wilderness. And um, it's refreshing, to always, as always, to hear a pastor share th- theirs and to know that they identify. And I think that's what, what the story is, about Jesus seeking to identify with that moment in all of our lives.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, particularly with depression or isolation, which are the, sort of the themes that we've been talking about, there's a certain sense of nihilism that comes with it that leads you to think that nothing nothing really matters, and so what does it matter what I do? Uh, which obviously leads to the making of bad choices um, or the sort of disregard of people that care about you and the sort of self-pitied wallowing that you can, you can get into. And it, I'm not trying to diminish it because it feels very real at the time. And the question we explore is how do we get out of that And how do we sort of find our way back to ourselves?
3: I also really resonated a lot with the wilderness in a personal level. We all have our burdens, and I sort of come from a place where I tend to really self-doubt about myself and my abilities, and that tends to isolate myself from those around me, and kind of think so negatively about myself that I do not appreciate those who support me and love me for who I am. So in that sense, I do really believe (laughs) I did connect with today's message. And it was refreshing to connect the wilderness part into our daily lives and uh, on a personal level.
0: Yeah, definitely the moment that came up for me. um, I definitely feel the wilderness kind of with my anxiety and my worry. So um, I was thinking about when I was um, kind of finishing up college and trying to figure out where I wanted to go. I had been going to college in Japan, but I knew that I wasn't going to live there or work there afterwards. So then it's like when I came into going there, assuming that I would, live and work thereafter, go into university, and then get into that point where, for various reasons, I knew I couldn't or that wasn't the right path. Trying to figure out, like, what's next, what's the right path was definitely a moment of being in the wilderness for me.
2: It's funny. I went through literally the exact same experience, except you replaced college with graduate school. You don't have to replace Japan with anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so deciding the next step, The next place to live?
2: Yeah, or sort of coming to grips with the fact that I didn't, like, I had been in the wilderness, so to speak, for the past several years and was just slowly coming to realize it, so figuring out Hmm. what was next because I had this sort of mapped-out image um, that I realized wasn't actually going to make me happy. What was
1: the mapped-out image?
2: I was, you know, going to get a master's, going to get a doctorate. I was going to, you know, ideally teach there somewhere or I mean it was a very loose image but it was sort of a path forward that
1: yeah yeah with certain steps that are like already prescribed
2: right and and that I had like taken to some capacity you know I was in grad school um and then I just sort of had to come to terms with the fact that I didn't really like what I was doing and I didn't really like where I was living
1: where were you living then Kyoto I finished graduate school uh, in English education, did, did a year of student teaching. And then as soon as I graduated and everyone else was applying for teaching jobs, like I'd already started working here at the church. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to keep doing this. (laughs) Yeah. That was an interesting time. And, but that, that wasn't like, i never stressed over that decision. Like I, I felt pretty, pretty solid in that one. There was a time right after I moved to New York when I very much felt in the wilderness because I was like, I was in a new place where I didn't have community right away and I didn't know anyone, uh, and I was second guessing the decision a lot. I moved here with my girlfriend at the time, then we broke up, and then I was alone here, and that was like probably the, the biggest like, one of the biggest wilderness experiences of my life because, um, I really I until the lease was up on that apartment, I was living alone and I was like really in the grind of grad school and working uh, at a Starbucks and like, didn't have a lot of time for myself or to like expand the community. So, um, but it was also a very formative time, you know, and it was a time where like I built my resilience, I feel like, and like made a commitment to do certain things rather than being like, uh, crushed by it, I guess. And so in hindsight, I'm grateful for that time. And I I think that's like an example for me that like wilderness, it isn't always bad to be there because you can grow from it.
0: Julie, I'm interested to hear since you've, I guess, are like new to the US and new to New York or relatively, what has your experience been?
3: So my experience has been okay. I think, I mean, I went to high school and undergrad here, so I'm quite familiar with New York City culture, but it, I think that I was by myself a lot because my sister and I had to work and we didn't really have family here in the city. But because I had my sister, whom I'm very close to, that really helped and we had a strong support system and we're sort of like a best friend and that really helped.
1: Which speaks to like the the, I guess the power of having like one person, even one per- having one person company can be like a lot, um, which could be a good time to segue.
0: One thing that Pastor Danielle brought up was how um, important her mentor was in kind of bringing the light of Jesus into her time in the wilderness, um, and then that she wants to go forth and do that for like at least one more person. Um, So I guess I'm interested to hear how have you guys um, been with someone or do you have any recommendations for how to be with someone in the wilderness?
2: I mean, I guess in terms of being with someone, and this is something that I sort of struggle to do, uh, but I think that being in the quote-unquote wilderness, at least with the sort of examples that we've generally been talking about and guiding someone out are Involve the same thing which is that when you are trapped there and we're talking about comparing ourselves to others or sort of feeling isolated and alone your focus is sort of Generally on yourself and you look at other people only as a mirror A better mirror of yourself or an image that you want and I think that depending on who the person in question is um, when you're trying to accompany someone there you can't make it about you, and sort of how that person is making you feel and just sort of try and drag them kicking and screaming out that you have to actually be there. So I think it requires sort of a genuine empathy for for others rather than a focus on yourself or a view of others just as a sort of means of thinking about yourself.
0: There's this really good video that will like give the description um, from, I think it's Renee Brown or Brene Brown um, about empathy, and she has it as a metaphor of a pit. And so instead of like shouting down, being like feel better, <laughs> you um, actually go down there with them and sit in that moment and in that time.
1: That's a great analogy. I know there are there have been times in my recent life. That I sort of regret, where I've 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 noticed people in my life, or people I pass by, are, are like in a wilderness place, and I feel too busy to like stop and be there with them, to like just to sit with them, to hang out with them, or to have the converse, a conversation if they're ready to have a conversation, or I'll only like check in really briefly because I'm on my way to something or I need to get you know this long to-do list done and um something that I want to do starting today or that being hearing this sermon and being reminded of this is kind of I don't know inspiring me to do is to take more time to sit with people when I can see that they need they need some company or they need someone to listen or just someone to hang out and be with them for a while um even when i have other things that feel pressing in my life going on um because you know what you notice even is on the surface so you never know like how deep in the wilderness someone really is if you don't take the time to stop and be with them um and you know that could have a greater impact than the things that you think you need to get done that day i think So I'm going to try and do that for people in my life. I wondered
3: because um, Jesus is son of God that he had easier time combating so-called temptations out in the wilderness where we as a human being have harder time.
1: Yeah, personally, like my... My like resistance is is weak, <laughs> like like, and I'm talking like the simplest things, like eat, like eating sweets, like any like anything. Like if I'm feeling a certain way or compelled to do a certain thing, it's it's easy. It's very easy for me to like rationalize why it would be okay this time. <laughs> yeah, or or it's a it's a it's a struggle to to do the opposite. And also, I've once heard uh, this was like from a TED talk, and it was a person, a man with who had depression, he was speaking about it. And I remember, like, really eloquently. And I remember uh, it stood out to me, and he, and he talked about how, like, when uh, when he was in, you know, in the depths of his depression, the negative views of his life and the world, like, those feel like the truth. And all the positive stuff feels like a lie, or it just bounces off of you. Like, it just does not resonate at all. Um, so as mu- much as people will, like, try and speak to the bright side of things, like you won't, you won't believe it. And where was I going with this? <laughs> uh, oh, so, so I think, and I don't think I've had like, I've like, I've never taken medication for depression or anything. I, I think what he had was different than me, but having had periods of my life where I was really down or really felt isolated and, was somewhere on that spectrum. Hearing that resonated with me about like how hard it is to how hard it is for us to get out of the wilderness or to um to not lean in to borrow your analogy to those like negative beliefs and thoughts about the world and ourselves. I don't know. And I've I wanna say that yet like in theory I don't know. What do you guys think? Did Jesus experience that in the story or no? I'm going to pass the baton.
2: I mean, the scriptural passage in question is only three paragraphs long. And is just like spits a bunch of Old Testament and it's like, be gone with you. So that seems pretty straightforward and easy. Um, did he actually have it easy? I mean, it depends on how you approach the way that you read it. I think that if you look at his entire life as allegorical, um, it doesn't really matter whether you're easy or not because he went through it and him going through it is supposed to teach us something about how we should go through it. Um, Which is why I always just spit a bunch of Old Testament and then feel way better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally works that way. (laughs) Well, in Hebrews it says this, so I'm going to stop being depressed now.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, growing up we always um, are... religious tradition was um, Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. He kind of holds that contradiction within himself. It's this weird like yes and no because like as a human I still think he felt tempted if you're going kind of by that way of thinking. But then he also like he definitely had an upper hand because he was God. So I think that helps.
1: When I read the passage it definitely does seem like like I'm trying to think think of an analogy of like so it just seems like he's batting it away like really easily or like I don't know one of those like super you know super power endowed like uh, fighters in some futuristic movie where they just like dodge the bullets really easily like just by like moving to the side a little bit <laughs> It has that feel to it. I, like, yeah, like looking at it on the surface, my inclination would first be to say like, uh, it, seems like it seems like it was easy, uh, much easier for him. That's how the text makes it look. Maybe if we read into it more between the lines or like connect to other passages, you'd be able to see, to kind of infer the human side of that, that I think it isn't really in the text in that part. I don't know, what do you guys think?
3: Um, I think that because he was also a human, the hunger part definitely would have been on a human level. However, in the wealth and power part, Jesus might have not been so tempted to display his power in a a way that we associate it with authority and wealth. But resisting hunger might have been on our level. That is sort of my understanding of it. Because hunger is hunger. But wanting something on a superficial level might be different.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything that Jesus preached about was about undermining that power. (laughs) About how, like, (laughs) that's BS. There's, There's a power and a significance to life greater than that. So, yeah, so, like, probably he was already not drinking the Kool-Aid on that one.
0: (laughs) Which, I think that's an interesting parallel to our lives, is how often do we preach kind of this idea of simplicity or humbleness or we don't need wealth, but then do actually run after wealth and run after what the world tells us is important.
1: Yeah. Accurate. Accurate. Well, when I, when I look around my, my room and I only have a really a room of things cause I live with roommates and like none of the shared stuff is mine, but like I look at all the things I have and yeah, it's like a lot, it's a lot of things that I've like told myself I needed at one, some point, you know, and like, do I need an air purifier? <laughs> I don't know. It makes me breathe easier, but like. <laughs> I could also see from another perspective why that would look ridiculous to someone else. I thought about getting an air purifier and a humidifier to just like really just perfect the air in my space.
2: I mean, we threw out a lot of stuff yesterday, and our apartment also feels absolutely no different. (laughs) It
1: feels like you didn't make a dent. Yeah, it was just
2: like, it was all stuff that I haven't even thought about for Lord knows how long. Uh, But as you said, like, at the time, really convinced myself I needed. But. Yeah.
1: And I probably am continuing to convince myself with new stuff. You know, like, even though I look at the old stuff I thought I needed and think it's ridiculous, I'm still doing it with different stuff now. I just bought a Nintendo Switch, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> Those are pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think wealth is tempting. And then what about like, you could even desire it for good purposes? Like, oh, I wish I wish I had money so that we could do all this good in the world. You know, like working at a church, I can speak to how like institutionally, it, it, it can be tempting to prioritize um, having resources as a church so you can do more ministry. It's like It's like for a good reason, but at the same time, if the focus becomes too much on your resources and not just like trusting that you can do what you will do with whatever resources you have, I think it can kind of, your eyes can be on the wrong target.
0: Yeah, I know I was listening to a podcast where they're interviewing a pastor um, who had worked at a bunch of different mega churches with, like, million-dollar budgets, and she says every church feels like they don't have enough, which I think is kind of, yeah, like the, the scarcity mentality that, like, there will never be enough, so you always feel you need to get more, you need to accumulate more, whereas Jesus tells us, like, no – give it away I will provide and it will be okay um and I know for me how I kind of I grew up with my parents tithing and so they like taught me to tithe my um tithe is giving 10 percent of your salary for those not in the church lingo what I got and what I earned um but when I started doing that again in college it was terrifying I was like but what if I don't have enough and like that was no way that was going to happen, but it still, I still internalized that. Of will I have enough? But that was an act of faithfulness, saying no, God, I am going to give this to you because I know I will have enough.
1: Yeah, I think like all in all, to kind of my my takeaway from that and from this sermon and this whole conversation is that like there there is uh, like a, vo- a voice inside me and most people that will loudly say negative things that will make me think that I'm not enough. So I need to buy like things and products to look better or to come off better or that like I'm isolated and lonely. So I need to get things to fix that. Um, and I think that these negative thoughts end up being like the entry point to a greedy outlook on life. Cause if you're always feeling like, down or not enough or disconnected like by getting things is like an e- feels like an easy solution but I think God's message is you are enough you are connected to people your life is good you don't need all that stuff um and I think it's like hard to it's easy to kind of not listen to that or not believe it but it seems like life would be better if I lived it into that a little more
0: yeah I mean that's the same challenge I find it's like how do you really live into trusting God which for God is a very big abstract thing so it makes sense why it's can be a bit hard to trust that versus like I have this in my hands I know this is real but it's still I guess that's what God's still pushing us for and that's what I'm still trying to work to is really fully trusting God.
1: Well, I I had this realization that when at a point when I was a point when I was feeling really like isolated and alone, like someone told me, gave me the advice to like lean on people a little more and reach out to people a little more. And when I started doing it, I started realizing that like people were down to, you know, to be a sor- source of like connection and people were down to be there for me once they knew what was going on. So like, uh, I don't know that there was just like this example where when I did finally like take that leap of faith and go out there that, that I discovered these connections and like possibility and this love that I hadn't thought was there before I took the step out. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it works like the same Similarly with God as with my relationships, like the more you take the step of faith into it, the more you see that that truth. Always lean in, basically. yeah I love <laughs> I love that analogy you shared of leaning in and leaning out, leaning out from the wrong things, leaning into the good things. what well, What will you do differently this week and onward?
0: Do you have an answer?
1: <laughs> I do, I do. Um, I I am going to take more time to pause and notice when people seem to be in the wilderness and to, to be with them. Uh, and I think that will make me feel more connected to other people too. I am going to
2: try and be more empathetic and less, I guess selfish is probably the wrong word, but less self-centered, particularly as with people who could benefit from someone thinking about them as opposed to someone thinking about themselves.
3: Possibly stop comparing myself with others, um, as Danny said, because I need to be out of myself to appreciate others, to help others in need, instead of using others as a tool of comparison of how insignificant I am but in fact that I am good God is with me and that itself is enough
0: I want to try reading um, one psalm a day and go through the book of psalms more intentionally Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9am and 11am in English and 1230pm in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway, New York, New York.